The big shift to a buyer's market. If they don't get a deal, they're just not going to buy. What some sellers are doing to sweeten the deal. Personal information abandoned. The first thing I saw was just ICBC. So I was like, what is that doing there? Who's responsible for boxes of documents from hundreds of customers? And he has proof he paid the SkyTrain fare, but he got a ticket anyway. Why his appeal failed. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We start with yet another sign that Metro Vancouver buyers are finally starting to get a break on real estate. The latest figures show last month's sales at nearly 50% below the 10 year average. And now at least one new condo development is offering, wait for it, discount prices. Global's Aaron MacArthur is in Burnaby with the details on this one. Aaron, uh, an unheard of drop in prices. Yeah, certainly unheard of two years ago, even last year. But with the amount of condos being built right now and buyers' reluctance to jump into the market, sellers forced to get a little creative. This spacious townhome at UBC has been on the market now for 28 days. In order to get it sold, Agent Mary Cleaver trying something new. On Monday, the price is going to reduce by $20,000, and we're going to let everyone know, the public and also all the realtors, that this would be happening every Monday until this property is sold. As fast as they could be put up, new buildings creeping skyward. At the Brentwood Town Centre, one building, still in the pre-sale phase, is already offering a 10% discount. That's just the tip of the iceberg, according to the real estate industry. We're seeing product on the market for 30 days, 40, 50 days, that we're seeing 10, 15, 20% reductions. Despite that cooling down, the Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation says Metro Vancouver's housing market still vulnerable. What we detect is uh, continued evidence of overvaluation, meaning that the level of uh, house prices is not justified by what might be supported by the local economy. This vacant lot on Gilmore will be home to BC's tallest building. Ani putting up 64 floors here, with units starting at $500,000. But it's the mortgage stress test which might keep buyers away. Having to qualify at that 5.34% rate right now is deterring a lot of people and not allowing them to qualify for those condos. For a decade, it's been a seller's market. Now it's the buyers bringing things back into balance. All the while, the buildings keep going up. According to CMHC, 2018 saw a record number of home starts in Metro Vancouver. And that should keep prices more affordable in the short term. Sophie, Chris. Aaron MacArthur reporting for us. Aaron, thank you. A Burnaby business owner has stumbled upon what appears to be a major breach of privacy for hundreds of BC drivers. As Jill Bennett reports, she made the shocking discovery as she was moving her business into the Metrotown Shopping Center. This short video on Twitter shows just some of the documents found in a storage cupboard in a store at the Metrotown Mall. The discovery was made as the owners of a shoe store were moving in. It seems the insurance company that had been in the space before left them behind. The first thing I saw was just a whole bunch of ICBC stuff. And then you just look in the other boxes and then you find like deposit slips, all that money and then look through all the other papers and there's void checks and 
transit numbers and everything. Like first name, last name, address. It's ridiculous. The three boxes included personal banking and vehicle insurance information for dozens, if not hundreds of people. The exact information people are told to guard safely. Some crook could have found it and he has access to all your bank account information. Who knows what he would do with that? In addition to drawing attention to her discovery on social media, Garakanian also contacted the former tenants, Perpetual Insurance. She says they wanted the documents back. She refused and instead called ICBC. I think ICBC should check up on them, maybe train them. In a statement, ICBC says it will be investigating the circumstances of the incident and how it happened, including interviewing brokers and staff. Failure to follow appropriate procedure for document handling has disciplinary ramifications. The Insurance Council of BC is also investigating to determine how this happened and to prevent another breach. We have the ability to do everything from um uh, offer a warning, to do a, to a formal reprimand, to uh, fining uh, for individuals, which can go up to $10,000. For an agency, it can be $20,000. ICBC was called to secure the documents. No one from Perpetual Insurance was available for an interview. Jill Bennett, Global News. Firefighters in Squamish are still mopping up from a fire late this afternoon at an industrial site. Several crews were called out to a large fire at a scrap metal recycling facility. Squamish Fire Rescue says a propane tank exploded, sparking a fire that sent thick black smoke into the sky. Witnesses say there was a terrible burning rubber smell in the air as well. A piece of heavy equipment similar to an excavator was damaged. Thankful, uh, thankfully, there were no injuries. Surrey RCMP are confirming tonight the driver arrested after yesterday's deadly crash near the Peace Arch border crossing has been released. Witnesses say a Porsche SUV speeding from the U.S. side of the border rear-ended a minivan, pushing it into a flower bed. The van burst into flames and the driver, who has yet to be identified, was killed. The American driver of the Porsche was sent to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. He has since been released with no charges, but the investigation continues. A Calgary man is outraged with transit police for forcing him to travel to Vancouver to challenge a fine he says is completely unjustified. As Kristen Robinson reports, the man was cited for illegally going through an open fare gate. Even though he has proof, he bought a ticket and video shows him trying to tap out. Surveillance footage from Stadium Skytrain Station shows Carl Lusawovanya Nunu tapping his compass card twice. When the fare gates don't move, he follows his friend through. The video even proves it. I tap it the first time, I tap it the second time. Right, but all of that for them didn't mean nothing. The Calgary father of four handed a $173 ticket for illegally going through an open fare gate, even though he has proof he paid the fare. But after an objective review, transit police won't cancel his ticket, telling Global News that the elements of the offense were met. A person must not misuse a fare gate by going through an open fare gate that was not opened by that person. The, the purpose of the legislation is to try and keep people from stealing um, you know, free rides. But what do we have? He actually paid for it. Transit police not budging, saying they're mindful of the possible public perception regarding this case, but given the circumstances, they respect the authority and discretion of the officer involved. Here is the littlest of the little guy committing the smallest of the small offenses. 
we don't seem to prosecute people for money laundering in British Columbia, but we seem to have the uh, desire to run this thing. The charge says uh, follow through fair gates. This is not right. Lusa Wovenia Nunu now weighing whether to spend upwards of $700 to fly from Calgary to BC to fight the fine later this month. You know, he went through this process and he can, uh, can learn one thing from it, and that is that often the world is unfair. The courts will likely determine if this was a customer Fairgate fail or a power trip by transit police. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The city of White Rock is now just $1 million short of the money it needs to replace its iconic pier. The cost of rebuilding the pier that was damaged by last December's windstorm is pegged at just over $16 million. Yesterday, the city said it was $2 million short, but today the provincial government committed a $1 million to help. The city is hoping a fundraising campaign, including a celebrity chef event, tie-ins with local breweries, and selling wooden planks for $1,000 each will raise the rest. The city of Nanaimo is getting some more national attention today, three days out from its federal by-election vote on Monday. As Richard Zussman reports, two more federal party leaders hit the campaign trail, hoping to send a message in the last by-election before this fall's national vote. It's all hands on deck in Nanaimo Ladysmith, which is a few days left until Monday's by-election. Federal NDP leader Jugmeet Singh in the riding trying to get his party's candidate Bob Chamberlain elected. I have knocked on so many doors and I've heard the very consistent messaging about affordable housing, about the need for pharmacare, about concerns for the environment. This was an NDP seat until Sheila Malcolmson quit to run provincially. It's also one the Green Party has its eyes on. Leader Elizabeth May, the only Green MP, hoping to get some company in Ottawa. And candidate Paul Manley. The kind of politics that's been done in Ottawa over the decades has proven that it's difficult for opposition MPs to get things done, except in the case of Elizabeth May. Nanaimo Ladysmith is a divided riding. It was first formed in 2015, but before then, about half of the area was an NDP stronghold, the other half a conservative base. Conservative candidate John Hurst is well aware of the community's political history. I was always raised, if you see a problem, do something about it. As for the Liberals, this is the first time people will vote since Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott were thrown out of the party's caucus. But candidate Michelle Corfield says the ongoing SNC-Lavalin scandal isn't what she's hearing about. I actually haven't really been asked about SNC-Lavalin. When I go to the doorstep, people are asking me, Michelle, what is the Liberal government doing about the housing affordability? What are we doing about create jobs? What makes this by-election so unique is how close it is to a federal election, making this a final litmus test before all Canadians head to the polls in October. Richard Zussman, Global News, Nanaimo. One of the big questions as we lead up to Monday, will voter fatigue limit turnout? This will be the third time since last October that Nanaimo residents have headed to the polls. They've had a municipal election, a provincial by-election, and now a federal by-election. As it is, by-election voter turnout is generally pretty low, as we saw for federal by-elections back in February. In all three, turnout was a fraction of the turnout for the general election. Nanaimo residents did a little better during January's provincial by-election. The voter turnout 
of 53.5%, just slightly below the previous general election. And, of course, we'll have live coverage and analysis of the Nanaimo Ladysmith uh, Lady by-election. Tune in to BC1 Monday night. We'll have the results as they come in and reaction from Nanaimo as well. Our coverage will begin on BC1 at 8.30. Well, coming off last year's record forest fire season, a new report out tonight is not good news for this coming summer. The American forecast says the Pacific Northwest can expect another busy season thanks to low snowpack levels and a moderate drought. Catherine Urquhart has the details. Friday afternoon, Kelowna firefighters rush to douse a wildfire. Fortunately, the human-caused blaze is soon extinguished. It was spreading a bit quick, but... But uh, they got here real quick. But the Kelowna fire may be one more sign of what's to come. A heavy wildfire season is expected in the Pacific Northwest. That according to the U.S. National Interagency Fire Center, a concern shared in B.C. as well. Our predictive model is estimating that we might see some higher than normal temperatures as well as a busier than average fire season. Adding to worries, a low snowpack. In 2018, the cost of fighting fires was about $350 million, a record setting 1.35 million hectares burned across B.C., leading to a province-wide state of emergency. Are we prepared for this fire season? B.C.'s forest minister says a strategy is in place. The behavior of fires have changed in the last number of years due to climate change, and so we see fires spreading more quickly. We want to be able to get on them when they're uh, a couple of hectares or less, and industry strike teams will allow us to do that initial attack uh, more effectively. Most of this season's wildfires have been quickly contained, and it's still early. Our season begins on April 1st, and we've seen 105 fires across the province, burning approximately 534 hectares. $101 million has been budgeted to fight this season's wildfires, far less than needed in recent years. Predictions for 2019 are not good, but BC's fire service remains hopeful that this season won't break any more records. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. More than a million people on the run from the biggest storm to slam into India in 20 years. That's later on the news hour. Also coming up, how a BC company is giving Antarctic researchers a view of the ice shelf they've never had before. And right now, a former great Canadian supervisor claims she tried to sound the alarm for years about what staff believed was a suspected criminal element infiltrating the casino floor in Richmond. John Hua has more on what happened when she tried to speak out about her experiences at a public town hall and the decision she regrets two decades later. Their business dealings and behavior become more open and unveiled every day. As Muriel Labine and other staff were chronicling what they suspected was criminal activity on the Richmond casino floor in the late 90s. I was really uncomfortable, really feeling uncomfortable with what I was seeing. She claims Great Canadian asked the former dealer supervisor to help hedge their bets in a 1998 Coquitlam political race. I was asked to go and work John Kingsbury's campaign for mayor. Labine says Great Canadian paid her wages, which was permitted under election rules. They lent out her known talent for getting out the vote, and it worked. He won that campaign. He became mayor of Coquitlam. About a year or so later, 
Great Canadian was trying to open a, a casino in Coquitlam. By that time, Labine had asked Great Canadian for a parting settlement, stating she could no longer work in an environment where staff were regularly exposed to what appeared to be organized crime. There was times when you put your head on the pillow and you really you felt bad about what the job you were doing. Great Canadian President Ross McLeod responded by stating he was aware of her allegations and had banned unwanted patrons and notified the proper authorities, but no settlement was granted. He admitted in that letter that he had been aware of the situation since the very beginning. When Labine realized her election efforts might put others in a similar situation, she decided to speak out against a Coquitlam casino at a public town hall. And I went to that hearing with the intention of speaking out about the gangs and about speaking out about the connection between John Kingsbury and Great Canadian. Before she could speak, Labine claimed she was threatened with a lawsuit. The next day, she got an unexpected call. Great Canadian had offered me $18,000, but there were conditions attached. The severance agreement shows Labine was ordered to not engage in or attend any public or regulatory process concerning the company for a period of 15 months. My conscience is telling me, you've got to step up. And I failed. If you build it, they will come. Less than three weeks after Labine's conditions expired, the Coquitlam Casino opened its doors. At the launch addressing public concern, then Coquitlam Mayor, John Kingsbury. There's quite a few of these casinos operating in a whole bunch of different jurisdictions. Through all of these years, I've regretted taking that money. I didn't have the courage to step up and speak out then. It would stay that way until 2011, the BC NDP leadership race. Labine's expertise would once again be offered, this time to MLA Mike Farnworth. My recollection is, is that she just felt that we should not be accepting um, from the, the uh, donations from the gaming from the gaming sector. When the former gaming minister kept the donations, Labine says she left his campaign. I spoke to Mike, and there were others there, and said you can't take money from Great Canadian. The view was that, um, you know, they're being disclosed, uh, it's fully transparent, and we're not violating party policy. Fast forward to present day. Labine says her guilt first started feeling heavier when she read the German report. The first line of the report was so disappointing. The first line says that the casinos were unwittingly involved in money laundering. Great Canadian has stated it operates in strict compliance with all laws and regulations. Adding in a statement, we do not comment on employee matters. We are challenged to understand how allegations from 20 years ago provide value. This was the beginning of it. And I think, realistically, it could have been stopped way back when. It could have been stopped then. Labine hopes by coming forward, both political parties will be pressured to properly address the past. Once documents are subpoenaed, once people are required to testify under oath, I think they're afraid to look under the rocks and see what's actually there. This grandmother from the suburbs, once too afraid to speak up, now going all in for what she says is the truth. John Hua, Global News. All right, let's bring in Keith Baldry from Victoria again with more on just how much the provincial government brings in from gaming, but from casinos alone. And Keith, the numbers might be an indication of why the province hasn't wanted to rock the boat too much.
Yes, indeed, Sophie. It is a huge amount of money for the province. Last night I showed you a great graphic by our artist, Tavis Dunn, that showed how much money has been coming in on a yearly basis, escalating through the years from all gaming. Tonight, I want to show you just from casino money alone and just how it's grown phenomenally in the last two decades. Take a look at this. First of all, it starts off very, very, uh, very modestly, $40 million. Chump change, really, in a provincial budget in 1997. But look at the steep climb over the years. $171 million just a year later. This is because slot machines are coming into play. Rapidly growing to the point $700 million in 2006. After that, a bit of a decline for a couple of years, but then a rapid escalation as the table games out there, blackjack and such, uh, hits now $1 billion in 2017. It's going to be more than that in the years ahead, obviously. To put this in some context, uh, Sophie, uh, it's now almost 2% almost of all revenues coming into government. In fact, I just did some calculations. The casino money alone would fund eight separate ministries in this government in total energy, environment, indigenous relations, the jobs portfolio, mental health and addictions, the labor ministry, all of that could be funded by just the money that comes in from slot machines and table games. It's phenomenal. A big impact on BC in so many different ways, Keith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, one final note on this. Port Coquitlam Mayor Brad West appeared on BC One this afternoon talking about money laundering and added another strong voice to the calls for a public inquiry. As I said before, I've stopped being surprised and, and what I am is pissed off. I mean, again, what you have here is uh, very clear evidence that a lot of people knew what was going on. A lot of people knew what was going on and the people who were responsible for doing something about it to address the issue uh, didn't do anything. And so, you know, to me, it's just further evidence that as quickly as possible, in fact, it's long overdue, we need to get this issue out of the hands of the politicians and into the hands of a public inquiry so we can put an end to this nightmare that has been inflicting our province for far too long. BC Hydro is warning its customers tonight about a new scam that's very hard to spot. Hydro customers are getting emails telling them they're getting a rebate and directing them to click on a link and submit their banking information. Now the difference here is that the email actually appears to come from BC Hydro with what looks like a legitimate email address. Hydro says thousands of the fake messages have been sent across the country. Hydro says it does not collect credit card or bank account information by email. Don't click the link. All right, a group of grade four students is moving mountains, figuratively, of course, but they were inspired to act after visiting a provincial park on Vancouver Island last spring. The nine and ten-year-olds were surprised the park signs didn't bear the original First Nations name for the area. So as Kylie Stanton reports, they started a petition that caught Victoria's attention. It's the kind of excitement that can't be contained. That feeling of knowing hard work has paid off. It's pretty cool. Oh, so cool. This group of grade four students have successfully lobbied the provincial government to change the name of a provincial park. It started with a petition and a letter writing campaign last year. I said, pretty please. I put in a whole bunch of hearts. And this week, Bill 16 passed second reading in the legislature. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. To make it official. So I'm pleased that the government and more specifically the minister heard the call and has officially moved to recognize the sacred significance of Tlaiwana by adding it to the name of the provincial park. 
The students first visited John Dean Provincial Park last spring, named for a pioneer who donated part of the lands for the park in 1921. But they were shocked to see the signs didn't bear the Klawenuf name, meaning a place of refuge. The mountain in the park was responsible for saving their ancestors. The mountain is a is an ex very sacred place for the Hussainish people. It's uh, one that... Uh, uh, features very prominently in our flood story, uh, which goes back many generations. To have it officially recognized is something very special. It goes to show when it comes to making a difference, age doesn't matter. They're never too young to get engaged. They're never mm -hmm. too young to uh, speak up and talk to elected officials about uh, what they want. And uh, the earlier they do it, the better. Good job, guys. The name change may be just one more step on the long road to reconciliation. But for these students, it's more than that. It's a legacy. It's going to be just amazing. I think they're going to feel such a sense of pride that they had a part in that. It's just been amazing. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. A roof lifted off and tossed. Trees violently shaking before toppling as Cyclone Fanny barrels into India. The grade five, uh, grade five storm tearing through the country's eastern coast it lashed beaches with rain and winds gusting up to 205 kilometers an hour. Around 1.2 million people have been forced out of the low-lying areas in Odisha and moved to shelters. Fanny is now weakened to a very severe storm as it tracks north-northeast towards the Indian state of West Bengal. A BC research team is back from a rare subsea mission in Antarctica. Port Coquitlam's International Submarine Engineering spent three months exploring beneath the massive ice sheet. Linda Aylesworth has more on the expedition and what it uncovered. Jean-Marc Laframboise recently returned from a three-month-long mission to one of the most remote places on Earth. In Antarctica, it's a different planet there. Nothing grows there, first of all. You get there, it's snow, ice and rocks and sand, and that's it. He was assisting a team of researchers from the University of Tasmania find the answer to a question. They want to know what's going on because glaciers are breaking apart. But to do that, they had to look under the ice, something few have ever done before. Ice shelves are difficult environments to research. They're dangerous and crevassed. What we really need is a, a robotic solution and an AUV is one way to do this. This is an AUV, an autonomous underwater vehicle. Uh, right now I'm gonna move the planes, the little wings there, and the, basically how we steer the vehicle. Built in Port Coquitlam at International Submarine Engineering, or ISE. There's about five major players around the world that does this technology, and then we all compete against each other. Ours is better. The University of Tasmania clearly thought so when they bought their $3 million AUV from ISC. Unmanned, untethered vehicles like this eliminate danger to humans while increasing range. Now you can let it go do its mission for 30 hours, 48 hours, and you come back to another latitude-longitude rendezvous on the ocean. Vehicle comes surface, recover, download the data. ISC has been building subs for nearly 45 years and has evolved in that time from the manned variety to remotely operated vehicles to the modern-day hydrodynamic free-swimming AUVs. Who knows what's next? We have young engineers starting now in their career, like I started back in 81, and then they're all enthusiastic. And, and why not? There's plenty to be enthusiastic about. This is like the same idea of sending robots on Mars, except we go on, on, on the ocean. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. 
In Health Matters tonight, a groundbreaking study is being held as a potential end to the AIDS pandemic. European researchers followed nearly 1,000 gay male couples having unprotected sex and found that men whose HIV infection was fully suppressed by antiretroviral drugs had zero chance of infecting their partner, even during unprotected sex. The study published in the medical journal The Lancet provides conclusive evidence with, that with proper treatment, the AIDS virus is untransmittable, meaning new infections could be a thing of the past. A new clue, the royal baby could be here very soon. That's right after the forecast. We have been saying that for days now. Yeah. Uh, we'll see the, what happens. The clue other than she's fully pregnant. Yeah, I think Megan, <laughs> of everyone in the world, yeah. Megan is probably the one who wants to have this baby yes, the most. Absolutely. The most. There's speculation she's already had yeah. it, although Buckingham Palace says that's not true. We'll talk more in a moment, but first let's talk about the weather going into the weekend. And uh -huh. uh, yeah, nice to see a good sunset on the way here. Yes, a beautiful sunset. We did see a clearing today, although some dark clouds out there. And we're not totally done with the cloud cover. We'll see it into tomorrow. But the forecast is amazing, everyone. We'll see a huge warming trend, lower 20s over the weekend and mid-20s potentially into next week. We have no rain as far as we can see. This pattern is going to hold strong. Now, while this is so nice for all you sun lovers and just for people to get outside. It is cause for concern for two reasons. One, we've got a moderate drought level in parts of the province. The fire danger rating already reaching high in a few isolated areas. And I wanted to show you this. When we look at um, the last 10 years, on average, 42.5% of those fires have been person caused. Now, a lot of people will be getting out and enjoying the backcountry or outdoors this week. Can be careful with your fires, cigarette butts, things like that. Because using last year as an example, a, a record-breaking wildfire season, 2,117 fires, we could have avoided 900 fires. So that's just an idea as you head into the outdoors this weekend and enjoy. Please do, but be careful. And then the other thing that we're watching is what about flooding? Well, Across southern BC, the majority of the low and mid-level uh, snowpack is gone, thanks to that huge warm-up we had over spring break. So we're not actually concerned so much about these areas. It's really only a high-level uh, snowpack that we have left. But we are watching this area, Caribou, the North Thompson, and the upper uh, Fraser River areas. The good news is uh, that they're not going to see a warm-up until late next week, but their snowpack is still at a near-normal uh, level. So that's one area we will be watching in the days to come, but it's not until later on next week. Now, northeastern parts of the province had snowfall today. While we're enjoying sunshine, it's still winter there, and they have another five centimeters of snow overnight, with another pulse expected Saturday night into Sunday morning. So it is a little bit split, the province, that's for sure. There's the snowfall across the northeast, sunshine across the southwest, although a few showers in the Columbia region. And um, I'll leave you with this seven-day forecast, you two spectacular conditions in the next seven several days as you can see i will take that for sure that is fantastic okay thanks very much so could a canceled trip mean the royal baby's arrival is imminent mm, the guessing game sparked after prince harry postponed his official official visit to the netherlands as he awaits the baby's birth the duke of sussex was supposed to travel may 8th to amsterdam royal watchers wondering if it's a sign megan is giving birth very soon there's been no official announcement, only reports that she's due in late April or early May. <laughs> the 
Palace is denying online speculation that the baby has already been born. So, Squire, you're wrong. What is <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> Harry and Meghan want privacy, and the royal baby, entitled to an American passport, is still waking to make, waiting to make his or her debut. I just like the fact there's actually an occupation called royal watcher. <laughs> what do you want to be? I want to be a royal watcher income? when I grow up. So you just sit there and watch them? Essentially, that's what you do. Yeah. You watch the royals. I mean, I guess, you know. All right, our Swedish translation team is on it. Well, welcomen, Squire. Thank you. That's welcome, Chris. <laughs> Uh, Louis Erickson said in an interview back home in Sweden, he and head coach Travis Green don't get along 100%. I'm not sure what percentage they do get along. But if he thinks that he and the coach are not 100% together, he should try he and the fans. Or the owner, who has to pay him $6 million a year for not a lot. He said he's been put in a more of a defensive role and can't score as many points as he used to. That's because when he was put in an offensive role, he also couldn't score as many points as he used to. But unless someone wants to trade another underperforming $6 million man, Erickson is stuck in Vancouver. Which led to speculation today that maybe he should be traded for Milan Lucic, who also makes $6 million in Edmonton. And quite frankly, both teams might want to make that move just to see if a change of scenery can help. I'd do it. Why not? Lucic would love to come back to Vancouver, and you're going to have to pay $6 million anyway. All right, Vancouver Giants, Prince Albert Raiders, Art Hauser Center in pre-PA. It's game one. Vancouver is a two-man power play, and the good folks at Pineland Metal Products are providing us with this goal by Dylan Plouffe from Bowen Byram. And that made it one nothing for Vancouver. Apparently this goal is not sponsored. Uh, Dawson Holt off the backboard, gets it, scores. Goal's not sponsored, but the replay is by the good folks at Lakeland Ford. So it's 2 nothing Vancouver after one period in game one in Prince Albert. Okay, Vancouver against their former player Kai Kamara in Colorado. The good thing about the Colorado Rapids, they're terrible defensively, as you can see here. As Freddie Montero gets one, his second of the year. One nil for the Whitecaps. This is just what the doctor ordered for Vancouver's porous offense because they would get another one. Lucas Venuto, his first as a Whitecap would make it 2 nothing Again, Colorado's defense, it's a tragedy. An absolute tragedy for them, but not for the Whitecaps. They are up 2 nothing. Nice pass from Montero. Now it's 2-1. Hmm. All right. Not out of the woods yet. Long way to go. Islanders and Carolina Hurricanes. Well, things have not gone well in the second round for the Islanders. They've gone very well for the Hurricanes. Toivo Teravainen, that made it 2-1. Greg McKaig a minute later. Robin Leonard gets beat. It's 3-1 Carolina. Then Jordan Stahl sets up Justin Williams, who's 37 and still playing great. His third of the playoffs. The Hurricanes, after January 1st, the three best teams in the NHL points-wise, Tampa Bay, St. Louis, and Carolina. Carolina's on to the next round. It'll play either Boston or Columbus. What's up with my hair? Anyway, uh, yesterday... Nova Scotia's school's athletic federation decided to immediately cancel all high school rugby 
after a report showed that rugby had the most concussions of all school sports, five times more than hockey, which was second. But a day later, officials held a scrum, get it, to say they have reconsidered and rugby in Nova Scotia is back on, which is something rugby communities all over Canada were glad to hear. It's no denying rugby is a physical, often brutal sport. Injuries, including concussions, happen. So when the Nova Scotia Athletic Federation decided to cease all high school programs in that province on Thursday because of concussion concerns, it gave a jolt to the sport felt across the country. There was such an uproar, in fact, that the Nova Scotian Education Minister swiftly reinstated high school rugby less than 24 hours later. Hearing that decision has happened so quickly just goes to show that, you know, with a lot of public outcry and a lot of, you know, cooler, calmer heads, the right decision is, was, was made. As a leader in, in uh, uh, player welfare and, and our PlaySmart program in Canada, it's something we certainly are, are there to work with our provinces and work with the schools and any organization that has questions around player safety, be it concussion management or just general player safety around our sport. We're, uh, we're there to support. Rugby Canada is very aware of the health risks playing this sport and they insist they do everything they can to educate all involved to recognize and treat any signs of concussions. In BC, concussion courses for coaches are now mandatory as of this year. If you're coaching rugby at the school sport level, uh, you must have had both the concussion course and the rugby ready course from World Rugby, which you know provide a, a good foundation both from uh, preventing, recognizing, and treating concussions, but also just introducing the game in a, in a safe way. One of the things I would say about rugby is that it does such a good job at uh, introducing like the fundamental safety protocols that you need, especially like tackle technique, uh, anything to do with body contact or any kind of collisions that go on in the sport. In typical rugby fashion, the sport rallied around what they felt was a knee-jerk, uninformed reaction in Nova Scotia, and that the great game of rugby is stronger than ever. The fact that the decision was uh, overturned because of the people that came together to make it happen, I think that just speaks volumes to how much uh, respect and how much love the game of rugby has in Canada. There you go. It's a lot of love for rugby right here on this desk. Right. All right. Thanks, Squire. Thanks, Squire. Let's check in with Jay Durant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Over here, too. Big fan. Big you got fan. it, Jay. Attorney General David Eby says you'll soon be able to buy and renew your car insurance online. It's the latest attempt to help put out the so-called dumpster fire at ICBC. Eby says steps to reduce broker fees will come after other cost-cutting measures are in place and changes are made to how rates are set. And thousands of students across B.C. staged school walkouts today demanding action on climate change. They say they want the governments to focus on ensuring a livable future. We'll have those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11. Okay. We have a case of the Fridays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Last week on Satellite Debris, one of my faves from a couple of years ago was the uh, Johnson... <laughs> Oh, no. What, <laughs> the so talking loud. animals? The talking forest animals. That actually was oh. recent. Yeah, it was well. It's a recent commercial. I thought it was 2017. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's very uh, funny. Okay, so here's a different one. It's like they're supposed to use Johnsonville employees to give their ideas of what kind of a commercial they would do to sell the product they work on. So here's a different one. This time it's a car chase. Straighten everything out. All right. In my Johnsonville commercial, we open with a car chase. 
you can see all the cars. There's lots of drama. There's semis. You got a couple of bikers in there and sports cars. And you got regular cars. You got grandmas on scooters. You got the ice cream truck driving over mailboxes. There's a news reporter down there, and she's going blah, 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 big car chase. You make it look like, you know, Action 2 News on the bottom and breaking story or something. As soon as you get all this drama built up, you realize they're chasing the Johnsonville Big Taste Grill. Actually, it probably shouldn't be a super high-speed chase for safety and stuff. They're blocking up traffic, and they're causing a mess. So finally, the driver realizes all the chaos and commotion behind him, turns to the guy next to him and says, did you leave the brats on the grill again? And he goes, yep. The grillers too? Yep. Might as well put them to good use. They get out of the truck and they open up the thing. Come get them, they're all ready. I guess I don't know how it ends. Maybe everybody just ends up eating sausage together. It could be an explosion, maybe. And that's a grillers commercial made the Johnsonville way. I know. Well, the other is, oh, you were away that day. Yeah, I know. I, don't I got know to talking. About. I'll bring it out again one day. Uh, talking uh. for Santa. Okay, I found this on YouTube. I thought I'd throw it in there. Uh, I don't even know where this is, but it's a guy and an orangutan, and the orangutan is hungry, and this guy is a banana. So he's holding his hand out, and this orangutan is that's a good catch. But then after he eats it, see, they don't provide the orangutan with a garbage can or anything. So here, you throw this away. That's also a good throw. And then he wants, watch his hand, his right hand. Give me another one. <laughs> the guy says no. So then the orangutan goes, oh, no way. Well, Dr. Zayas has something for you. Take this. Oh, throws a rock? Oh, no. no more banana, no more I think. Banana. <laughs> All right, speaking of throwing food. <laughs> he puts out his hand. Yeah. This guy trying to catch a ball at a Dodgers oh, yeah. game, drops Forget his entire box of fries. fries. He does get the ball. Then later, ball in the same place. This time, he drops his pizza right, yeah, oh, no. on the woman in front of him. Watch, Watch the, the piece of pizza. Oh, right oh, there. Oh. Same uh, guy? Yeah, same guy. So he got a baseball, but he went home hungry. No. Yeah. There you go. Both meals gone. Not happy. All right. So this one, it's not a talking animal, but it's close enough. Okay. like those. We like those. No? It's just like a knowing animal. Marmot, outdoors. Boom, boom, boom. Ping, boom. Friends boom, sing boom, together. Boom. La, 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 la. Friends boom. do things together. La, 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 la. Friends help you when you're in danger. Friends are people who are not strangers. Friends, 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 friends. Boom, la, 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 la. Friends, 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 friends. Boom, la, 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 la. Friends. Fall in love with the outside. Marmot. Kind of a talking animal. Yeah, some sort of marmot language going on there. That started out weird and got weirder. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. They misread the situation. Yeah, they did totally misread okay. the situation. Yeah. <laughs> After that, their friendship was awkward. Yeah. Never was, was the same. All right, enjoy the weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. Have a good weekend, everyone. Bye-bye.